It's time for episode 293 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, May 8th, 2019. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast where what goes around comes around. I'm your co-host, Dan Morin, and I am joined across this internet of ours by my good friend and co-host, Mr. Micah Sargent. How are you doing today, Micah? I'm a little concerned. That sounded uh, vaguely threatening. Uh, Vaguely threatening is my brand. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is, of course, the show where we talk about four tech topics with two delightful guests. To my left this week, a game developer and programmer a co-host of remaster right here on relay fm it is shahid kamal ahmad welcome back shahid lovely to be here again thank you always a pleasure and to my left is the community manager at micro dot blog or micro blog and a podcaster for the awesome voyager revisited and the former sestra cast it is gene mcdonald hello gene Hello, Micah. I like how you say micro.blog. It sounds very macro. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. We have four topics. We have 30 minutes. So let us get this show on the proverbial road. Google I.O. has been kicking off this week, and Google did its keynote yesterday in which it unveiled a bunch of new uh, announcements for software and hardware that it's working on. I'm curious to know if anything caught your eye. Shahid, let's start with you. Yeah, that search with the AR sounds great for kids. I mean, one of the things that I think a lot of parents are familiar with, good parents anyway, the the ones who aren't afraid to admit they don't know absolutely everything, is, shall we Google that? And with the AR feature, you could drag that thing into your world. So you can just imagine looking for a T-Rex the first time you share that with one of your kids and it appears, I don't know, with its head in the garden, My goodness, that is going to be profound because just placing that object in the real world, I think, is really exciting. Absolutely. Um, So for me, something that I saw that I'm, I'm pretty pumped about, Google is actually bringing live captions to all videos in Android. And so that means... That, you know, no matter what you're watching and whether those captions are built into the video, you will be able to watch it with captions. That's helpful for me and I'm excited about it, but it's especially helpful for those with low or no hearing. And I think that that is a fantastic thing where all of this content that right now is not entirely accessible uh, becomes all the more accessible. And we see different groups out there uh, and different individuals uh, AOC, for example, putting captions on, on her videos, but to have it be just sort of across the whole board, I think is fantastic. And I am certainly pumped about that. And it seems like such a small thing in comparison to, you know, new hardware and new fun stuff, but this is a big deal. And I'm, I'm really pumped about it. Gene, what about you? Well, I was surprised that I noticed anything, um, because I am so firmly implanted in the Apple uh, hardware, software ecosystem. So when I saw this question, I was like, did I notice anything? And I did. And it was the Pixel 3a, just because of the price, the $400 price really 
caught my eye and made me re- reevaluate my life choices. <laughs> <laughs> when I think, yeah, the camera that I currently own is $1,149. And this is a $399 phone. Not to say that they are comparable, you know, but there are a lot of pluses that I, you know, that were, were brought to my attention, but it's making me reevaluate my iPhone choice for the next time this comes around. Uh, and my storage as well, because the Pixel 3a only comes in 64 gig. And I thought, yeah, that's never going to work for me. And then I looked at my phone, which has 256 gigs, and I'm only using 50 gigs of it. <gasps> You're right on the edge. I have been trying to be more mindful of, you know, can I do something that is less expensive or less, um, less of a bother instead of always going for the kind of top notch, uh, level of things. So, um, the 3A, I'd be really interested to see them, um, out in the wild and see how people like them. Yeah. I'm going to second, uh, uh, Micah's comment on the captions. I found myself using them more and more. Uh, and my parents are both very hard of hearing. And so they rely on those. And so having captions more widely available is a huge thing. Uh, but the other thing that, that that grabbed my attention was the demo pretty close to when they kicked off. They they sort of demoed some improvements coming to Google Assistant on some of the new phones coming out or the uh, the the Google Pixel phones and the speed at which it can respond to things and the ability to use this feature that they've already deployed in some places called continuous conversation where you can keep talking to your virtual assistant without having to constantly use that hey so and so wake word and so they showed a whole bunch of interactions in sort of one long thread with a person doing these various things responding to text messages looking up their flights at the same time and it feels to me like that is a serious step closer to integrating virtual assistants more deeply into our lives uh, and having them actually do the kind of heavy lifting that we'd like them to be able to do rather than them becoming these alternate interfaces that so often are more cumbersome than the things that we already do. So I'm, I'm excited to see that. But all the rest of those are excellent points as well. I'm, I, I, I always keep my eye on Google despite being a, an Apple-focused person just because I think they have a huge reaching impact on the industry and I think they do do exciting stuff. So glad to hear of all those things that caught your attention. Let us move on to our second topic, which comes from Shahid. Yeah, on a recent trip to San Francisco for the Game Developers Conference, I noticed something I didn't notice the last time I was there, a ton of electric scooters and people just riding them around and leading them around. And I thought, that's really odd. Is someone going to steal them or what? And (laughs) of course, what I didn't realize and appreciate is that there is some kind of rental scheme going on and uh, people are not just leaving expensive pieces of hardware lying around at first they just looked like really heavy um scooters with no battery but after a while i could see that people kicking away uh, were going for infeasibly long periods without a further kick so there had to be some electricity going on but now you've got a company like bird offering a scooter that lasts for 30 miles i don't see a lot of these in the uk for various reasons but i wanted to know do you think that these electric scooters are kind of like some answer to our usable urban transport problems. So I've been trying to think about why, you know, these, these are appealing um, and, and sort of what it is about them other than they're new. Cause you know, something new always is going to capture attention for a while. Um, and I do have to consider the fact that, you know, there's less effort in an electric 
uh, powered device. And so that might get someone more interested in using it. So I think that it is an answer. Um, I don't know if it is the answer because oftentimes I also consider how we've got all these different companies trying to basically reinvent the bus and reinvent the, the subway system and reinvent the trolley and reinvent the horse, frankly. Um, and so if an electric scooter is the new horse, uh, that's kind of, kind of cool, I guess, but, I don't know. I'm not sure if it is, uh, the answer. And I see, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of people looking at ways to circumvent the rental system and, uh, people are hard on things too. And so I don't know about the repairability of these. And, um, there's something vastly different between getting into a person's vehicle, be it a taxi or a, you know, an Uber or a Lyft or some other rideshare service and, um, you know, holding this thing yourself and sort of not having, there, there's something about like having another person there with you that in many ways adds a little bit of, of uh, social need to respect, <laughs> I guess. And I know some people break that, but when you're alone and you're just kind of riding this scooter around, you may be more inclined to take even less care of the thing, I guess. And so that is something that I think about. And I don't know about the the lasting quality of these these devices. And therefore that makes me think it's less of an answer to the to the problem. Gene, what are your thoughts as a Lyft driver too, right? Yeah. Well, yes, I do drive for Lyft. And I I think, you know, you correctly say it, it could be an answer. Um, Lyft, scooters, all the other things that are happening. Portland just um, brought scooters back last week. So they had a trial last year that ended in October. And of course, you know, there were some good things and bad things that people notice about the scooters. Um, primarily, you know, the complaints were they... People were riding them on the sidewalk, which is not allowed. Um, they're not supposed to be in the parks. And they also, um, people were just leaving them, you know, <laughs> maybe in the sidewalk or blocking the sidewalk. So that's that's definitely um, a learning curve, I think, for the community as a whole to recognize that we can't just treat them like we would treat our own little scooters. Now, I did ride them twice last year. Um, once for fun, just to say, oh, I did it. And, um, then once I was coming back from, uh, meeting up with some friends at a place about a mile from my house. And I live in a, you know, Portland is quite dense. Um, even though it's not the biggest city, we, um, you know, we have a lot that's close to where I live. And I, I saw a scooter and I thought I could get home really quickly with that scooter and the bike lane street is one block over so I could go on a street where there's very few cars and let's just give it a try. So I just was noticing in my app on my phone that that ride was, you know, 0.8 miles. I think it cost me, you know, maybe like two or three dollars to do it. And I, and it was fun. (laughs) So we'll see, but I, I do think it's good for short trips. Um, potentially, uh, I don't know. I can't imagine riding one for 30 miles anywhere. And honestly, in San Francisco, I would not like to ride them based on the traffic and also the terrain. 
Um, it seems like it might be kind of crazy. But I did enjoy them in Portland, and if they have them in San Jose, again, during WWDC, I might give them a try. Yeah, I've ridden them a couple times, both in um, San Jose for WWDC and when I was there last year for Worldcon. And for Worldcon, it was really handy because I stayed uh, close to a mile from like the convention center. So it was mm-hmm. a lot cheaper, but it was harder to get back and forth. Uh, and I could walk, and I did walk some days, but I also took the scooters very conveniently, especially late at night when the traffic was pretty sparse. And I didn't necessarily want to spend like 20, 30 minutes walking back to my hotel. It was cheaper than taking a cab or a ride service. Um, it was fun. It definitely has its appeal to it. Uh, they're piloting them around here a little bit, um, but they've gotten a lot of pushback from the local cities. And they're sort of partnering now and sort of re-rolling them out. Because first, they all the scooters came in, dumped them everywhere, and were like, ah, scooters. And then all the cities <laughs> were like, no, you can't do that. Um, so I'll be interested to see how that pans out, but I think they have their part to play. And I think a lot of their appeal comes from the fact that they're pretty cheap. Uh, unlike bikes, they are motorized, right? Like that, that makes a big deal for a lot of people. Um, and I will say as someone who occasionally has mobility issues, like there is some usefulness to them. Although like Jean pointed out one, I, my mobility issues generally prevent me from standing very easily on the thing. So like a seat would actually have appealed for me and probably other people who have mobility problems. Now that we have the possibility, the very real possibility of climate catastrophe in our lifetimes. We have to think carefully about the impact of transport and the way that we move. Some of that's already happening. We're shifting away from moving masses of people towards moving things and moving data. And that seems to be on the rise. I'm certainly traveling a lot, lot less than I used to. So I think the combination of some kind of robotic delivery mechanism, be it a drone, be it um, uh, an electronic self-driving vehicle of whatever size, you know, not just one that's designed to carry people around, but one that's designed to carry things around that you lock and unlock with your smartphone, that's going to happen more. Just the way that we think about cities has got to change. And then we have to think very carefully about the impact that's going to have on society, on relationships, on how we thought about the way we relate to one another in a city or in a village or a town. That's going to go through some dramatic changes as well. So I just think this is picking up the edges of the problem. I don't think it addresses the problem. The overall problem is much, much bigger. And I'm afraid I, I don't have the brain power to think about how we might solve this. <laughs> nor, nor do we have the time on a half hour show to solve all of urban problems. Uh, sadly. Uh, thank you for that. That is two topics down, which of course brings us to halftime here on clockwise. And this week's show is brought to you by our good friends at Linode. With Linode, you can instantly deploy and manage an SSD server in the Linode cloud, and you can get a server running in just seconds with your choice of Linux distribution resources and node location. Linode serves their customers with the help of 10 data centers across the globe, and they're about to add more in places like Mumbai, India, and Toronto, Canada, which will all have data centers before 2020. Linode features native SSD storage, a 40 gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors, meaning you're able to serve your customers even faster than before. And so you don't have to stress about overspending. Linode has designed their pricing tiers to feature hourly billing with the added bonus of a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services, such as backups and node balancers. Linode has pricing options to suit everyone. Their plans start at a gigabyte of RAM for just $5 a month, and they offer high memory plans starting with 16 gigabytes of RAM. 
And Linode has a special offer for you as a listener of this very show. You can go to linode.com slash clockwise and use promo code clockwise2019 to get $20 towards any Linode plan. And on that one gigabyte of RAM plan, that's four free months. With a seven-day money-back guarantee, there is absolutely nothing to lose. So give Linode a try today. That's linode.com slash clockwise and promo code clockwise2019 to learn more, sign up, and make the most of that $20 credit. Our thanks to Linode for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right, that brings halftime to a close, which means Micah, you're up. I would like to know, uh, I would like to hear you describe the last time technology and the internet in particular, if you have something there, uh, brought a smile to your face or helped kind of lighten the load uh, that was affecting you in life. Gene, we'll start with you. My what came to mind when um, I hear that question is not internet related, but um, is iPad related. My sister and I were traveling um, across the U.S., and she had she wanted me to help her make a movie about this birthday party that she threw for the neighbor kids where she lives. And I said, "Well, you know, why don't you use?" I said, do you have an iPad? She said, no. And I said, well, I would use iMovie on the iPad. And she said, why wouldn't I use it on my Mac? If it's good on the iPad, why is, why wouldn't I just do it then on the Mac? And I said, you're just going to have to try it <laughs> and you'll see what I mean. And I, I, I'm a lucky person. I have two iPads, one mini and one regular. So I just gave her my regular iPad. She downloaded all her photos and we sat on the plane and she made a movie during the plane ride without almost any help from me. And that just put a smile on my face because, it, and it totally lightened my load because I really did not want to make another Survivor movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, two short ones. One involving the internet. It's been really, I mean, as somebody who writes books and puts them out there, uh, the internet is a really great way for people to get in touch. And I've got a really, a lot of very kind notes, even on Twitter, even on Twitter. Uh, about my book, which is is just it's really heartwarming. People taking the time to reach out and who otherwise would not have ways of contacting you um, because it's so often you know, a one way street to put out a book and then just be like, I don't know if anybody liked it. <laughs> uh, and so hearing from readers is always a delight. I really enjoy it, and the internet makes that possible. Uh, on a similar topic, uh, but not on the internet, uh, I just bought the other day a Google Home Hub, which is the Google Home that has a screen. And I've got it on my desk here. And in its spare time, uh, when it is not actively being used as a virtual assistant, it basically works as a digital photo frame. And so I set it up to pull like just, you know, good shots from the last year or so. And right now, as I look down, I see really just great pictures they keep cycling through. And I've not been one to use digital photo frames, really. um, And I don't have a ton of pictures around the house. And so it's really kind of cool to have those moments resurface because we take so many pictures that we just never really look at again. Um, And so having those pop up and see pictures of my partner and I traveling on vacations or weddings we went to with uh, for our friends or family showing up there. It's just it's it has brought a little smile to my day. And really reminded me that technology ain't all so bad. (laughs) (laughs) So I have three. The first is whenever I turn on my iPhone or iPad, I have a picture of my kids there. The second thing is day one. Day one is one of my favorite apps of all time, which I have on every Apple device. And I've been using for now about eight years, pretty much constantly. And the on this day function 
every day brings up a whole list of memories from a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, etc., etc., and reminds me of things that, frankly, I would have forgotten otherwise, including photos. And the third one is, last night, my team, Liverpool, performed a miracle in beating Barcelona 4-0 at Anfield, having been beaten in last week's fixture at the magnificent Nou Camp Stadium 3-0. Many people considered the feat impossible. It was called the miracle of Anfield. So many commentators described it as a transcendent moment where we forgot about tribalism, we forgot, forgot about sport, and it was just an incredible reminder of the power of the human spirit to overcome. And that was a feeling that resonated. So this morning, while I was working, I had my iPad next to me, and I was just replaying some of the scenes from BT Sport. And I was watching interviews and the emotional scenes and fans and outtakes and unedited, unfiltered clips and so on. And every every time it raised the hairs on the back of my neck because it wasn't about football. It was about the magnificence of the human spirit and our ability to overcome the seemingly impossible. Wow. Um, all great answers that have certainly brought smiles to my face. Um, so I, right now, uh, the right side of my face is paralyzed. Um, I was uh, diagnosed with Bell's palsy, so it's a temporary thing, which is nice. Um, I was in the midst of a move and apparently got pretty stressed out and suddenly woke up, took a drink of water, and water was spilling out of my mouth. Um, that was scary at first, and I thought I was having a stroke, and you know, I went to the ER, and it ended up just being Bell's palsy, and in sort of that was like the first time I'd ever heard of it. And um, I was pleased to find out that it was just Bell's palsy and not something worse. And I kind of started to not only just want to find a place to talk about it, but also sort of, I don't know, um, laugh through the nonsense of, of what I'm, what I'm going through right now. And the internet has been pretty doggone cool these last few days um, as I've been talking about it. And so it only brought a smile to half of my face, but it did certainly bring a smile to my face. And so I was uh, happy with the social media and the internet as a whole for that. All right. Thank you all for your answers on that. Let's go to our last topic, which comes from Jean. Thanks. So um, my question is... Uh about digital minimalism, which uh, has been a hot topic this year. And I'm curious to know if anybody has cut anything digital out of your life this year. And did you use any digital tools to do it? I would say the biggest thing I've cut out is this podcast used to be like two hours long. Now it's a half an hour. I really <laughs> felt like that was really effective. Uh, no, uh, you know, um, some things, yeah. So the biggest thing I would say is the addition of screen time in iOS has actually been a big addition for me because it does uh, encourage me, especially using the downtime feature. Uh, like I have turn off at like 1130 at night and like restricts almost all my apps, at which point I am like, you know what, I'm done using this. I'm going to go do something that is not digital before I go to bed. And I usually, you know, read for for half an hour or something like that. Um, and so I think that's one of the big ones. And then just sort of more generally, 
I have in the past been very much like a Twitter completist in terms of like trying to keep up with what everybody's talking about and, you know, what all my the people I follow are posting. And I've cut back way back on that in the past year or two. Um, so I, I haven't used other than, than the sort of screen time downtime. I haven't really used digital tools a lot. But uh, and it's certainly challenging to just rely on sheer willpower because Lord knows it breaks down for me <laughs> enough and I go back to reading my Twitter or uh, playing video games or watching TV or whatever. I'm working on it. I'm not I'm not a minimalist by any means, but I'm trying to dial back a bit. I was already well down the road of massively cutting down my device use by the time Newport's book came out. The, the book that I found was really helpful for me was Make Time by Jake Knapp and John Zarafsky. Absolutely superb, because there are a whole bunch of actions in there that were profoundly useful. One of the things that they talked about was removing infinity pools from your phone. And they define an infinity pool as anything that gives you practically infinite content, with some mm -hmm. exceptions. An example of that is YouTube. There is no YouTube app on my iPhone. There is no email on my iPhone. Uh, there is no Twitter. There is no Facebook. There is no Instagram. In fact, I even blocked news websites that I was going to routinely first thing in the morning. And this is essential in my life. I do too much. Like most of us, I do too much. And I waste too much time. And I had not been willing to admit how much time I was wasting. And now I have only eight apps on my home screen apart from the, the bar at the bottom. And none of them are infinity pools. There are no infinity pools anywhere on my device. And I've even taken the drastic measure of downgrading from an iPhone 10 to an iPhone SE simply because it's a less desirable device. And it, there is less temptation for me to install stuff that takes advantage of the iPhone 10's, frankly, mesmerizing display. My life has been transformed. I now have two and a half extra hours a day in which I'm more focused and more present. And I, I, I have found that my meditation has been much more effective than when I throw in a meditation somewhere during the day, but the rest of my day would still be destroyed by the scattered and unconscious reflexive use of my phone, thinking that I was being productive. I haven't made an active effort to cut out too much online. But what I found is that because these things have brought me less joy, I'm just automatically using them less. Yeah, I've noticed like I don't post on Instagram as much as I used to. I don't scroll through Instagram as much as I used to. Um, I don't read a whole lot of tweets uh, like I used to. I'm certainly not a completionist and haven't been for a while. And I am okay with that and haven't really noticed it as, you know, a, a lacking thing in my life. And, uh, what I find fascinating is looking at when I'm around other people, you know, be it for a weekend of concentrated fun or, or what have you, uh, looking at the screen time differences between the amount of times that I pick up my phone or leave it. And I just don't pick up my phone as much as I used to either, um, in general, and especially whenever I'm around other people. So there's something um, just there's someone must have hit this declu digital declutter button in the universe. And it feels like a lot of people are doing <laughs> that right now. Uh, Jean, any last thoughts on that? It's like the snap 
for. Yeah, it is. <laughs> 50% of the tweets are gone and nobody actually misses them. Yeah, that's um, a good call. <laughs> I will just give a minimal answer because uh, I'm, I'm actually quite impressed with you all. And um, I'm already looking at my phone for infinity pools, and there are several, and those are going to get the boot, uh, including <laughs> the podcast player, because let's face it, that's infinity amount of content that I listen to and, and, and without thinking, is this a good idea? You know, use, even if I'm in the car, what about listening to nothing? I think that's always an option and not a good one. But yes, I did. I quit Facebook and Instagram, um, deleted my accounts and I could not be more happy about that. I am certainly missing some things, and sometimes my brother sends me screenshots from Facebook. But <laughs> I, I like that curated Facebook, you know, one on one to one experiences. I have uh, collected as many emails or snail mail addresses as I could from people who were interested in staying in touch, and I've been sending them postcards, which I'm considering <gasps> the new. We have to exchange, um, Gene. I want to send yes. you. Well, you know you will get a postcard of a guinea pig yes. picture. Uh, so the guinea pig pictures continue. They just I'm doing social media on a one on one basis now. All right. Well, that is four topics. We've reached the end of this show. We have just enough time for a super quick bonus topic. I'm talking like one word answers right here. So let me go around the table really quick and ask you what is your favorite cuisine, regional, national, cultural? What do you like, Shahid? Punjabi. Honestly, any cuisine that can be made gluten-free. <laughs> Cuban. Uh, I'm going to go with Chinese. Really love Chinese food. All right. Uh, that is the end of our show for this week. All that remains is for us to thank our fantastic guests. Shahid Kamal, Ahmad, thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. And Gene McDonald, thank you so much for joining us. It was my pleasure. And Micah, it's the end of another show. We made it. All that remains is for us to remind everybody listening out there, watch what you say, and keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. <laughs>